We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. The Bulls have won a high-scoring game since the last time we talked. They also lost a high-scoring game since the last time we talked. On Friday in San Antonio against DeMar DeRozan's former team in the Spurs, the Bulls lose 131 to 122 in what was an exciting back and forth affair, but a game that the Bulls could not control the ball whatsoever defensively. DeJounte Murray, who was in the midst of having perhaps an all-star caliber season for the Spurs, was just slicing and dicing the Bulls up in the paint, hitting floaters, finding open shooters on the three-point line. Bulls defense could not get stops despite a hot offensive performance. And the Bulls dropped that game. But on Sunday against Portland, an afternoon affair, the Bulls, another awesome offensive performance. They score 130 points. This time it's enough to win. The Blazers score 116. Another game where Portland was shooting the lights out on offense. Uh, Portland shot 46% from three. But credit the Bulls for getting a couple nice bench performances. Credit Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch for all play for all playing well. And when the Bulls three stars are playing well, Jason, uh, that is typically when the team wins. And those three guys are going to have to be in sync, all playing well at the same time. While Lonzo Ball, Derek Jones, Alex Caruso, uh, these guys continue to be out. So. Interesting week for the Bulls. And, uh, you know, what What did you think about those two games in particular? Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of like the reality right now without the guys that you mentioned. They're just not going to stop anybody. But when they, they have enough talent, as you mentioned, with those three, with Io playing pretty well, Kobe had 18 against the Blazers. Well, they can, they're going to put up points. I mean, we know, I mean, Vooch has actually been playing really well lately in, against the Blazers, uh, 24, 14, and three, shot 11 of 15. Uh, was scoring inside and out, had his mid-range going, scored inside a few times. 
Uh, the ball movement was really nice. We said they had 36 assists. Jim Boylan would be proud. Io had 11 of them. DeRozan at 10. I believe that was a career high 11 assists for Io. Really nice game for him against a bad Blazers defense. The Bulls were getting looks whenever they wanted. Uh, but this is going to kind of be what the name of the game is for them. They're going to have to outscore teams. And sometimes, like that Spurs game, it's just you're they're going to end up giving up more. Like you mentioned, Dejounte Murray absolutely roasted them. And a Jakob Pertle. Uh, killed them inside, and the Bulls made a little run at the end. They just couldn't get enough stops. I guess they were leading early, and then the Spurs kind of caught them and then just p- passed them with the big third quarter. The Bulls tried to make some pushes at the end, but they couldn't do it. it it's just it's just going to be the way it is. Uh, I wrote about this at Forbes. With the, we got the deadline coming up here, but this about the defense and how much they have dipped in the last, basically since Caruso went out that first time. That was December 20th. Uh, I believe the stats exactly. They... Up till December 20th, that was when he uh, had the foot injury, whatever, against the Rockets. Uh, their defensive rating was borderline top 10. It was about 107.5, I think, according to NBA.com. Since then, in the 20, 20, 20 games since, uh, the defensive rating is like one, over 114. And obviously, that's also coincided with Lonzo missing time now as well with Derrick Jones Jr. Javante has missed some time. And Javante had a little injury scare against the Blazers, but it looks like he's probable. So that's good. I'm losing another guy like him would be really rough uh, in addition to the guys that are already missing. But yeah, I mean, the defense without Crusoe and Ball, we knew, we saw how good that they could be defensively with those guys earlier this year. And we've seen how bad they can be without them because. Without those two, the point of the ta- point of attack, teams go at Vooch more. The uh, they just not as disruptive. Io has been Io has been a really really nice surprise defensively, and he has some really good advanced defensive stats with his on ball stuff. But I mean, he's a rookie; he can't do it all himself. Uh, I mean, I feel like Zach and Demar have not been particularly good defensively. Vooch again, I think Vooch is tr- tries, but like if you have teams like if you got a guy like Murray slicing and dicing your team in the paint, we saw the Blazers guards as well. CJ had a big game. Anthony Simons, Norman Pahal, they all had their way with the Bulls, but they just didn't get enough help, and the Bulls just kept scoring. Uh, the Bulls just don't have enough perimeter defense to to stop teams with good guards who can get buckets and who can get into the paint and spray out to shooters. And Booch just isn't that kind of guy who can just totally erase a team or an offense like a Rudy Gobert, a really good rim protector. So it's going to be the name of the game for the Bulls. Uh, and Back to that Forbes piece, just the, the Crusoe numbers really stood out to me when I was looking. I haven't looked at that on-off data that much this season. Bulls on-court defensive rating with Crusoe this year, and his, I think he's played like, I can't remember how many minutes, but I mean, he's played a good amount. It was like 102. I mean, that's elite, like top-of-the-league stuff. And with Crusoe on the bench, it's like 113. If you paired Crusoe and Ball together, it's still around like 102 uh, in like, I think almost 500 minutes with those two together. I think Crusoe's played almost 800 minutes. So like, when they have those guys available, the Bulls can shut down teams and they're elite defensively. And when they have that lineup with those two, with Zach, Tamar, and Vooch as a closing lineup, like that's a great mix of a team that can score a lot and then also shut you down. But when those guys aren't there, the Bulls just don't have enough defensive stoppers. Io can't do it himself. Javante can't do it himself. They're just not, they're not that good. Uh, so it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be like this. They're gonna have to outscore teams, and they got some really tough games coming up. We got like the Sixers coming up again, the Suns coming up again, or not again, but for the first time this season, the Suns are like forty and nine or some shit. So like, uh, I think the Hornets are coming up pretty soon here. There's gonna be some really tough games coming up here in February. So the Bulls got the Magic next. Got to win that game, uh, and then at Toronto will be tough. We know the Raptors have played the Bulls tough. Pacers uh, suck and they are missing some guys. So that's a game you got to win before that Sixers Suns back to back. So the games will be entertaining. There'll be a lot of scoring. 
but the Bulls are just going to have to outscore teams because there's just really no way that they can stop anybody right now. Yeah, what I was thinking watching that Spurs game and DeJounte Murray just slicing and dicing up the Bulls' defense, which was primarily Kobe White and Zach Levine entrenched in the backcourt, I'm like, oh, so this is like last year. Like, right. This is just what happened last year. They can't keep the ball in front of them. Whatever sort of defensive alignment they're going to try with Vooch isn't going to have enough point of attack pressure to actually deny the ball when the opposing teams are able to get wherever they want on the floor, even if it doesn't lead to a layup at the basket, it leads to, you know, a sprayed out pass for three or just other easy opportunities of foul shot. So uh, really it makes me think again, that Io has just been such a blessing and uh, his ability to provide above average perimeter defense from day one on the bulls has been a huge, huge boon for this team because you think like, you know, right now you look at the Bulls and they're sixth offensively, 20th defensively. Coming into the season, I think that that probably would have been around where a lot of yep. experts would have expected them to finish. Now we know that the Bulls' peak level is a lot better than this. They've had so many injuries. Uh, they were the first team to really get hit with COVID. But the reason the Bulls have been better than expected, I guess, on the defensive end to me, it's the found money with IO becoming an immediate contributor. We weren't sure if he was going to play in the G league the whole season, you know what I mean? Coming into the year. So he's been great for them. Then found money with Javante green, another guy who coming into the year, like is Javante green in the rotation? Probably not. They traded for him at the deadline last year, never gave him any playing time. Uh, the vision of Billy to put him at power forward at only six foot four and to really utilize the unique gifts he has in terms of his athletic explosiveness, in terms of his length and his ability to just like have great hand eye co coordination to get the ball. So Javante and IO have been really big. The next thing this makes me think is that all we hear about today's NBA is shooting, shooting, shooting. If you don't have enough shooting, you can't win. But the Bulls' success this year when healthy makes me think that, you know, perhaps perimeter defense is the real market inefficiency in the NBA today. I think that a lot of teams will overpay for shooting, even if those shooters are one-dimensional. What the Bulls have done is find guys who have the sort of defensive gifts you can't teach. You can't teach someone to be able to move around screens like Io DeSumo and have a 6'10 6'11 wingspan. Uh, you can teach someone like Io how to shoot. And during this stretch where Io's been starting, I think over the last nine games, he's hitting like 43% of his threes. Yes, it's on low volume. I am not like marking it down in pen that Io DeSumo is a consistently great shooter. But if you go back to his sophomore year in Illinois, he shot 29% that year, steady improvement as a junior, jumps to the NBA, very good improvement this year. So Io shot is looking good. Uh, and I think that, you know, especially when you talk about Caruso, the impact he's made, you pointed to the advanced numbers with Caruso. Uh, I mean, clearly he's out earning his contract, right? Yeah. Like oh, it yeah. seems like a massive blessing for the Bulls to have him on a four-year deal where he's making under $10 million a year. Yeah, I mean, he's an all-defensive caliber player on a, a mid-level contract. That's a great value. <laughs> So when you, yeah, defenses, remember 50% of the game, Jabari Parker might be right. The players don't get paid for defense, but it does help teams win and it helps just as much as offensively. So, you know, like zooming out, why have the Bulls been so good this year? And Jace, you know, despite 
just a raining cascade of adversity from the on the Bulls throughout the second half of the season. Currently, they're 31 and 18. They're a half game behind the Miami Heat, who also have been totally banged up throughout this year. So the Bulls are still right there, man. And yeah, like you can't mark down any wins on the schedule. Uh, with this current iteration of the team, because like we just saw them get totally run off the floor, smoked by the Magic. Now they're playing the Magic again. You think Orlando's a team we can handily beat with DeRozan, with uh, Levine. Levine might have been out that game, right? I don't, I don't remember. Off yeah, the top that of was game. yeah. Levine was out that game. DeRozan yeah. put up forty, and that was when Vooch had like Vooch has Vooch been great terrible, since right. since that game. He's been yeah. really good. He's had the best stretch of his season. Four straight games, I think, over fifty percent shooting. Uh, in a few games, like I mean, I said yesterday, it was 11-15. That's great. He's starting to look a lot better. If this is the boot you're getting, uh, the offense will be fine, and they'll be if they're playing at a top five offense level, they will still win their share of games, even with if their defense is playing at a bottom ten level. Uh, it's just obviously like that's that is the concern is their defense is going to be so bad where they lose a bunch of games and with the East so tight right now. Because like between the first and like six or seven teams, like it's like four or five games. Uh, I think the Hornets are something like four or five games back of the Bulls. As, as you mentioned, the Bulls are half game by, behind Miami. Um, Bulls will have a deep. Uh, well, obviously, this will be going up later. We'll see what the the Heat do tonight. I think they're playing. They might be playing Toronto again. I can't remember, but Heat. I think won't have Jimmy. They, they they're going to be down some guys. They have a I think a tough back to back coming up. Bulls could very well if they win beat the Magic tomorrow as they should at back in first place, but. The East has just been so crazy. I mean, it's just wide open because the Bucks just got spanked uh, by the Cavs and the Nuggets. Like the Nets have been a complete, dis- I mean, just a complete mess with their injuries and the Kyrie stuff. No, no teams are really like separating themselves from the pack. So the, the Bulls have struggled lately, but they are still right there, half game out of first place in second place in the East. So if they they just need to survive these injuries, and if the offense does keep it up, they should hopefully be able to do that. I mentioned the schedule is pretty tough coming up. You gotta you gotta win home court. The Bulls, I think, are 18 and 6 at home. They're around 500 on the road. They have struggled a lot on the road lately, which isn't surprising. But you gotta protect your home court, steal some road wins when you can, uh, and hopefully just be in a decent position where you're in the top four, or at least at the very least, the top six, uh, when those guys get back in March, whenever that is. Yeah. And I think uh, you know the bulls really might've found something in a league that like super prioritizes shooting in terms of going the other way, crediting on ball defense and really like obviously Caruso and Lonzo, especially Lonzo are very good in terms of like rotational team defense. We've seen both of those guys cover basically half the floor, like a shutdown cornerback back in the day. Uh, but just having great ball control and ball pressure defense at the point of attack, I think has been huge. And if you would have asked me coming into this season, like what's more important on ball defense or like help defense team defense, I would have said definitely team defense. And of course, like what I'm saying is they they provide both yeah. because Lonzo and Cruz are both, you know, such uniquely skilled defensive players. And honestly, IO is turning into that type of guy too. We've seen him blanket dudes on the ball in individual matchups and also look great, you know, blowing up screens and uh, taking away actions before they even start to develop. But I just look at Karnaschovas and I look at Eversley and I think, you know, they really might've found something here in sort of prioritizing ball control level defense. And guess what, dude, that's what happens when you take your time to evaluate the team last year. That's what Karnaschovas did. He didn't make any moves 
in his first season with the team. He wanted to see what they had. And what the Bulls had was a team that could not keep the ball in front of them. Kobe and Zach were getting consistently burned all season long. And even while Zach was like making some strides defensively, like it was never going to be the strong suit of his game. Right. So I just go back to Karnashov as having the foresight to draft IO in the second round when idiots like me pan the pick <laughs> and the foresight to identify someone like Caruso. And, you know, my, my through line here, Jason, is that while DeRozan and Zach get all of the attention for the Bulls' success, both of them are going to be named all-stars. No one else on this team is going to be named an all-star. DeRozan is starting. Zach could have started. He's going to come off the bench for the all-star game. For the Bulls to be the best version of themselves, it is truly an an ensemble effort, right? Like you take away Caruso, you take away Lonzo, you take away even Derek Jones or Javante for a little while. We saw what happened when Vooch had COVID. You had Tony Bradley in the starting lineup. Yes, DeMar and Zach get all the attention, but they need everyone on this team to step up. And when they don't have everyone, uh, you know, it's just going to be a lot more variance in terms of their performance. That means the defense is going to be worse. That means there's going to be massive pressure on Vooch in particular to continue to produce offensively because they don't really have enough firepower to overcome him having a bad night anymore. Same goes with a bad night on defense. Like he had against the Magic a couple weeks ago in the game we referenced. So uh, Bulls need their full collection of pieces, and you're really seeing it right now on the bench. You know, the starters, you can count on the stars, hopefully, to be good. But the bench, as guys have been elevated to the starting lineup, has really been poor. And uh, last note on this is that when they played Portland, the Bulls did get a couple nice bench performances. Kobe with 18, that was good to see. Kobe was getting to the to the lane quite a bit in that game against Portland. He's been finishing better at the lane. Kobe had five free throw attempts against Portland yesterday. And I'm like, is he had five free throw attempts? Like, is I will, I will say three, is three of those were on a three point attempt that he got. Yeah, you're on. right. <laughs> uh, no, he was, I mean, he's been more aggressive and I think it Bradley think, minutes too. Yeah. To, yeah. I was, uh, I think it was either Casey or Rob Schaefer at NBC sports Chicago. did something about Kobe's improved finishing. I think he's, up over or around 60% at the rim this season. That was one of his big flaws coming into the league was he was just not a good finisher. He's gotten a lot better than that. Three-point shooting has kind of trickled back to kind of a bit streaky, which we know that's his game. It would really be really be nice to see him get that more consistent because I think right now he's around his career percentage of like 35 36%. Get, get that up a little bit. The defense, I think, is still definitely a problem there. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned the Spurs game and just – at the point of attack, I think he's trying. He still just gets taken advantage of on screens. And like, if you look at again, like on off data can be noisy, but like, I think his on off data has been really rough this month. And overall, I think the Bulls like on court D rating with him is like 114, which is atrocious. I mean, just the clear difference between a guy like with him and IO, obviously him and Caruso and Lonzo, just Kobe just is not a good point of attack defender. I said, I think he's gotten a little better. That, that number is not all on him. Uh, but it's still still a weakness in, in his game. But if he can at least make up for it with that better finishing, he even had some nice passes as well yesterday. Uh, and with the sh- if he can get that shooting to be a bit more consistent, and again, and again, this is some of this is also a function of him having to play more. I think we know that. We, I think we've realized, and we've said this over and over, that Kobe in a more defined role where he's maybe playing twenty to twenty five minutes as that gunner, six man off the bench scoring role, like that's his perfect spot. That means he's not needed as much to be a defensive stopper. But if Kobe's out there having to play a ton of minutes, like, 
you see that defense can be a bit more of a problem with him, but uh, it's clearly uh, clearly still a role for him on this team, especially uh, when he can provide that kind of scoring like he did yesterday. You mentioned Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley was very good at just being big. The, the Blazers are a terrible defensive team. and like They have Nurkic, but be- behind him, I think they were playing like Trendon Watford. I don't really know who that is off the bench, and the, their defense is just bad. Tony Bradley was just making himself available, actually catching the ball and finishing at the basket, just being big. Like That's what they need. And uh, I mean, the, Billy's kind of gone back and forth, I feel like, matchup-wise between Bradley and Tyler Cook. Tyler Cook has had some decent moments, but uh, I don't know. He just, he can dunk. He can dunk, like jump really high and dunk. But he just doesn't really offer that much else. Bradley can at least be big. And if he can actually catch the ball, he's at least a decent backup center. I feel like the Bulls could still probably use another big man there to help uh, in certain matchups. But Bradley was good against the Blazers. Matt Thomas hit some shots yesterday as well. Uh, so that was nice to see him do that. But yeah, I mean, once again, once well, no, once the Bulls do get their guys back, and hopefully no one else gets hurt, I mean, they do have a really nice two-way rotation that could be really good. And you don't have to rely on some of these other guys to play. Like Troy Brown Jr. is hit or miss. He was he just he's all right. So like they're 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 just trying to survive with what they have right now. Uh, it's been like the, after the after the really that really rough stretch where they got we're getting blown out every other night. Where they got blown out basically three games out of four, but the Nets Warriors because they've kind of studied out. They got some nice home wins, beat or they avoid the collapse against the Thunder and Raptors. You get wins there. You bank this win against the Blazers. So they're at least not losing. Like like going on this huge down, like down slope here. But again, coming up, we've got some really tough game. So we'll see if they're able to navigate through the schedule here without these guys, because they're just, they're going to have to do it. I mean, when the deadline is in what 10, 11 days now, we'll see what AK does. Uh, you meant like I feel like he, he I'm sure they're out on the look for guys who can help play defense for at least for the time being. I am we'll see if they pull off anything big. I'm I think we've talked about how we think they're probably maybe leaning towards not doing that now, making a bigger move. Maybe they just go for something smaller. We've talked about Tory Craig. Uh, we saw somebody Robert Covington could be interesting. I don't know if he's washed or not. He didn't look anything anything that special. He just hit some nice threes last night. Uh, against the bulls didn't look that special obviously since the bulls were putting up 130 against them i mean maybe robert covington you look at other i, I mean ken kenny hustle kenrich williams i think is a guy that thunder would look to trade i know it was reported that they uh are looking for a first round pick there i don't know if they're going to get that but that's what they're always looking for so i think the bulls will certainly be on the lookout if they're not going to do something big where at least they get maybe another bigger wing maybe they try to go get another uh, another big man for depth we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. You have any other thoughts on? I know we've talked about this a lot. Any other thoughts on possible like trade moves, or even a, maybe they look to the buyout market as well? Um, with the deadline coming up again, we're basically ten days away. Yeah, I think they're going to make a move. I said it preseason. My bold prediction in the preseason, if you go back and listen to our episodes, was that I thought they were going to make a move at the trade deadline. Uh, this is partially informed by the fact that they made two pretty bold moves last year at the trade deadline, first acquiring Vooch, and then in a separate deal, sending out Daniel Gafford, uh, Chandler Hutchison, getting back Tice, getting back Troy Brown, getting back Javante, who was a throw-in in that deal and has ended up being the best player for the Bulls. So that previous aggressiveness, the deadline last year, leads me to believe that they might make a move. And then the other thing, Jason, is that, you know, the Bulls had the opportunity to add Larry Nance Jr. coming back from, uh, they likely did, I should say, when they made the Lowry marketing trade, three-team deal between the Cavs, the Bulls, and the Trailblazers. Uh, The Bulls instead took Derek Jones Jr. and a first-round pick, lottery protected from the Blazers. That Blazers pick is not going to convey. It doesn't seem like it's going to convey this year, but there is a chance because the West is so poor, especially in the play-in section of the West, that, you know, if the Blazers get into the play-in game, I think right now they're like hanging on by a thread. They are 10th right now. They're 10th right now. Maybe they can, you know, win two games and get into the playoffs. We'll see. Right now, right now, I think it'd be Blazers Lakers in one of the play-in games, right? Or is it seven? Is it seven versus 10 and eight versus nine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seven. I, I'm not sure. No, it's my, no, it's seven eight. It's seven eight. Is it winner. seven eight and then nine ten? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. If it is nine ten, it's it'd be Lakers Blazers. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, now. it's seven eight. I think I'm pretty sure. So, uh, actually, that's right. Seven eight. The winner gets the seven. The loser plays winner of nine ten. I think that's what it is. So, anyways, I feel like Larry Nance would have been someone who could have really helped the Bulls this year, especially after the Patrick Williams injury. There's just an apparent lack of size on this Bulls team. Yeah. So because they took Derek Jones and the pick, that leads me to believe that AK thinks he could have got something better than Larry Nance. Now, I think Larry Nance is pretty good. A lot of people respect Larry Nance's contribution. Is he hurt right now? Because he didn't play yesterday. Like He was announced as a starter. I was, I was, in, I was at the game yesterday, and like they, they announced him as a starter. And then like after the game ended, I was like, wait, did Larry Nance Jr. play? What's going on? I, I think I looked at him. I think he's hurt, maybe. I don't know if it's bad. Uh I'm not. Told, I'd have to look that up he again. He had a but. knee injury a couple of weeks ago that showed no significant damage. So, uh, not totally sure on his status right now. But the fact is, the Bulls need probably a backup five, is an upgrade over Bradley, and I would still love to see them get a more versatile four. Yeah. For so sure. you know we've done episodes on this where I've given my big speech on why the Bulls should make a huge move, be it Jeremy Grant, be it Harrison Barnes. It doesn't seem like Jeremy Grant wants to do anything other than get paid and get buckets. And I respect, I respect that so much. I'm going to write a story on it. I should, because props to you, Jeremy Grant. looks like it's kind of of funny. You mentioned that. I think I saw lately at the Kings, so like the team most in on him. So it's funny that like, I'm curious what that trade will look like because they obviously have Harrison Barnes. So like, are they trading Barnes to get Jeremy Grant to fill in? It's just funny that like two of those top bulls targets that we've talked about, uh, might be getting or like involved in those trade rumors. Well, don't be surprised if AK gets into a three way trade because remember, he's been super creative in a lot of these deals. Like Garpax never would have been able to pull off the Lonzo maneuver, they never would have been able to pull off the DeRozan sign and trade. So the Bulls made all these 
awesome offseason additions without having any cap space, right? So don't be surprised if the Bulls do get in on something. I think they're going to get in on something. Now, it could be pretty small. Uh, someone like Robin Lopez, who's been out of the Magic's rotation, his name has been consistently brought up by Kevin Farrigan of the Dennis Podman podcast. Make sure you're checking that one out, too. Very good Bulls podcast. want to give credit there because to Kevin because I think Rolo would be a really good choice. Uh, if the Kings are blowing it up, how about Rashawn Holmes? Yep. Who I think would be tremendous. He's locked down for four years. He could really start at center for you if Vooch's play continues. Yeah. I mean, to... he's much, much better, obviously, than Tony Bradley. Much better than Tony Bradley. What's he his contract? Like, level center. I like 10, 11 years? Yeah. yeah somebody, I mean, so like, you can, Jared Jones is hurt. You can trade his contract, though, in like the first round. But I'm not sure what the Kings are looking for, Sean Holmes, but like, you do like you send them Derek Jones, you send him the first, and maybe I know the Bulls don't have many other picks, or or is this or is that a situation? I mean, do you trade? Co- I mean, they, I don't, they wouldn't want Kobe. They already have a million guards, uh, unless Kobe got traded somewhere else. I don't know. But they I, do I, love I, shooting. Yeah, I, get, I no, guess so. I got, yeah, I'm not really sure what they're looking for for yeah. Rashawn Holmes. Like I said, Jones the first. Maybe you throw a second or two in there. Like I, said, I don't think the Bulls have many seconds. And, you know, either, the Bulls kind of need Kobe's bench scoring. Too, right. Yeah. No one else on the bench can score at all. Right. Yeah. I think a, Kobe, they would need to replace him with someone with a somewhat similar skill set. Yeah. I think for the, the Kobe trade. Guy. Yeah. I think a Kobe trade would probably have to be for somebody better than. I mean, Rashad Holmes is a really nice player. If they're going to cash in a Kobe trade chip, I'm assuming they would want to get one of the actual like bigger targets that they'd be going for. Holmes would be really nice, though. Holmes is really, really good. And he went to Moraine Valley Community College, my <laughs> hometown community college, where I would take ACT prep courses there back in the day. Uh, so that's cool. He's a local guy. I think he went to Lamont High School or Lockport High School. So he's basically from my part of the world in the southwest suburbs. If they were to acquire someone like that, I think that he would give them basically like a starting caliber center, no doubt. Uh and someone who would give you some scheme versatility based around, or like, as opposed to what Vooch gives you. So he wouldn't be someone who could stretch the floor or pass as well as Vooch. He's more of a traditional rim runner, rim protector. We'll give you some length, some bounce, some athleticism, and lots of flip shots. The Bulls haven't had a flip shot king since they traded that young. Holmes <laughs> would be able to provide that. So I love the idea of going after him. Uh Tory Craig, I think, is another really good suggestion. He's a monster defensive player, pretty terrible perimeter shooter. But, I mean, it's a give and take when you're getting someone at, like, that level. So I want additions, Jason. I think they, you know, keep a focus on the defense probably. If they could get homes, I would be over the moon. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what those packages are going to look like. I would still be into trading Pat if – the opportunity presents itself for a major upgrade. Not sure if that opportunity is going to present itself. And I'm also very high on Patrick Williams long-term, just to be clear. Like uh, if the Bulls go into next year with him, you know, they'll be hoping that Patrick Williams can make a similar leap to the one Anyeka Okongwu is making for the Atlanta Hawks this year. Okongwu was selected two picks after Pat, I believe uh, in the 2020 NBA draft. So a lot of moving parts for the Bulls. I think the East is open, dude. There's yep. an opportunity. The Sixers are just going to piss this season from Embiid away while they uh, cling to any faint hope that they can land Lillard or Beal or Harden in the offseason. So, you know, Embiid's not getting reinforced. Tampering. Tampering the with Bucks, <laughs> The Bucks have just been up and down, right? Weird. Like, I'm still scared of them, but, like, they had a very short offseason. 
They certainly don't look unbeatable. I think Middleton's performance has dropped off a little bit this year. You never know when Grayson Allen's going to get suspended for being a piece of shit. <laughs> then you got the Nets with the Kyrie ordeal. Like Harden, how in or out is Harden right now? Durant also hurt. It just seems like it's going to be Durant versus the world in the playoffs again, which Kevin Durant can beat the world. He's good yes. enough to do it. But like this doesn't seem like the juggernaut we thought the Nets were going to be coming into the season. Then you got the Heat, who it's like the Heat, you know they're going to be tough as shit in the playoffs with Lowry, Butler, and Bam. But they didn't have any depth. Now they're just pulling Max Struess out of Romeo. (laughs) Abe Vincent. Uh, Martin twins left and right. These guys, (laughs) Omar Yurt seven from Georgetown (laughs) via NC State. All these weird college players I watched back in the day are giving them very meaningful contributions. Gabe Vincent, another one. So, yeah, I think there's still an opportunity in the East. And, you know, even if we're not doing my big Jeremy Grant trade that I'm not even sure if I want anymore because Jeremy Grant doesn't seem like he really wants to play the role that the Bulls would need him to play, the Bulls should still make some moves to maximize their chances this year, even if it's on the margins. And even if it's on the buyout market, I'd like to see them trade that Portland pick for sure. Like they've the Bulls have yeah. had all this success this year, trading all their future picks. Who yeah. cares about what Portland? Get pick. rid of it. I don't know how valuable it is, right? But it is protected till 2027. If the Blazers trade Dame, that pick may never uh convert, right? In the yeah, if they like blow it up. Yeah. So yeah, you don't know it's risky. I'd trade that pick if you could. Absolutely. Try to get something good. Yeah, I think they got to do something for sure. Even if it's not big, I think they'll do at least one. I would wouldn't be surprised if they make a couple trades, even if it's smaller stuff. Like so, you could trade. You have a five million dollar trade exception, I believe. Tory Craig fits into that. Uh, I, I know the Nets are trying to trade Millsap. It seems Mill, like Millsap is washed. The Bulls were interested in signing him in the off season. I mean, take a chance on him. I wouldn't if you don't. If you're giving up like nothing for him, taking him into the trade exception, you could probably do worse. Uh, guys you've talked about. Yeah, I think they're going to do at least, make at least one trade, probably even a couple, or maybe one trade and a buyout guy. Uh, they have some, they can certainly do some things. I think I think they have to, especially with Caruso and Lonzo and Jones out. I mean, like I said, it wouldn't be surprising if Jones is traded just because of his contract. Uh, it's almost $10 million just used as a salary. With those guys out, I think the Bulls just have to do something to help them survive defensively here over these next couple months. And then uh, hopefully got, they get guys back. Then whoever, hopefully whoever they trade for can also provide meaningful depth for them down the stretch here. Um, I think I'm good for the Bulls. Ricky, before you get out of here, I know you got to leave pretty soon. How are you feeling about the Bears and their hires? Do we talk about this last time? Uh, I don't know if we talked about, I don't know if we talked about them, like the guys they actually hired, did they? Okay. I guess they, they had their intro press conferences today, which yeah. is why I had this on the mind. Sure. Uh, I did like Ryan Poles talking about taking over the North and never giving it back. Had me ready. Uh, had me in bears meatball land. Uh, Matt, whatever it's name, Eberflus, Everflus. I don't know how to say his name. I mean, it's going to be a great name to be butchered by Chicago radio sports call or sports radio callers. Uh, seemed like some, I know some people I was following at some, uh, were kind of ripping him for some meatball stuff, but uh, polls, I feel like I really liked what I heard from him. We'll see about the coach. Uh, he did say some nice things about the offense and building it around Justin Fields. So uh, it feels like a lot of times bears, like interviews or like whatever the initial press press conferences can often often be terrible. Uh, I see that polls. I feel like I like, like what he was saying. We'll see, like I said, we'll see about the coach first, first time head coach with the young quarterback. We'll see how it works out. But uh, 
Uh, it is always this nice to get a new regime in here, and hopefully this time it'll actually work out. <laughs> so everyone is very down on the Bears, rightfully so, because the Bears have problems at the very top of the organization that prevents them from basically ever being good. And, you know, they could have Phil Emery as the GM or Ryan Pace as the GM or Ryan Poles as the GM, but the structure at the top of the organization doesn't change, and that's why the Bears have the same problems year after year after year. With that being said, I still feel pretty good about the Bears, all things considered, especially compared to most people, I think, for a few reasons. One, I just wanted Ryan Pace fired, and I really didn't think Ryan Pace was going to get fired. I thought that he was way too much of a gambler, and he governed with emotion too much, right? Like, Ryan Pace's thing was, I'm always going to get my guy. It doesn't matter if I have to overpay to get him, we're going to get him. Well, you move up for Mitch Trubisky. That's the famous one. You blew that. But also like Anthony Miller, uh, Adam Shaheen. These guys were like top 60 picks that are like, if they're even in the league anymore, they're hanging on by a thread. So he butchered a lot of picks. And I think that what I like about Ryan Poles, what he said today, first of all, he hired a legit assistant GM. Yes. Which I don't believe the Bears have had before in Ian Cunningham. Yeah. He said like, we are very, we are the type of people who are like very interested, like, we're going to take all of the knowledge we have at our disposal, try to make the best decision. We're going to continue to try to gain edges in acquiring knowledge. So just the fact that they're, he used the word curious, just the fact that they're curious, whereas I feel like Pace was like a drunk guy at a blackjack table. He was just like always willing to push his chips to the center of the table and go all in. The fact that these guys appear to be more curious is promising to me. I like the fact that they both have an offensive line background. And one thing Eberflus has been saying is that he wants them to be a disciplined team and a physical team. So like, of course the bears biggest problem for 101 years and counting has been their inability to create a positive passing game down the field. So the idea every year when they, whenever they fire a coach is like, well, let's find the next great X's nose play caller who can finally bring the Bears into the 21st century and revolutionize the Bears passing game. The fact of the matter is, Jason, Mark Trussman had that tag. Matt Nagy had that tag. And both those guys were Suck absolutely idiots. terrible <laughs> as offensive play callers. I do think that Trussman was decent as a play caller. He was pretty good, actually. But, you know, he's he a really bad head coach. Didn't have the respect of the team. Right. Yeah. yeah like he failed in other areas. So the thing about Eberflus is while it seems like a boring hire, a defensive mind, shouldn't you be prioritizing Justin Fields' development right now? The thing about Eberflus is I do think he embodies the qualities that every good Bears coach has ever had. If he wants to be physical, he wants to be disciplined, he wants them to build through the lines, he wants them to run the ball, he wants it to be about setting up uh, you know, smart, deep shots with Fields, which is where Fields is really good. I don't know if it's going to work, Jason. All I know is that when it comes to the Bears, my expectations are on the floor. Exactly. I don't think that they needed to hire an offensive mind just to hire an offensive mind because Nagy and Tressman were both terrible. And I'm kind of feeling like maybe this will work. I mean, I don't have confidence it's going to work. With the Bears, you always assume the worst-case scenario. But if that happens, I won't feel burned, right? Like with Nagy, we really got our hopes up after his first year. Yeah. He seemed like he was a good coach. The team was so exciting. The double doink happens. It ruins Nagy's mind. But what I am excited about is while Poles and Pace have a lot of similarities in terms of both came from successful franchises that they'd only been with for one year, 
Both were like 36 years old. Both named I Ryan P. <laughs> I don't think anyone could be bad in the same way Ryan Pace was bad because it was about the process as much as the results. Like, you know, I'm talking to my dad about this and my dad liked Pace more than I did. He, my dad would say, you know, if they hit on Justin Fields, doesn't he deserve to keep his job because the Bears have never gotten the quarterback, right? I My take on this is like, that's like me betting a million dollars on a football game. And if I hit it, that means that you think I'm a good, like I know a lot about football and then I'm a good game. No, big bets all the time. And the process was not good. In addition to the results often not being good. So I'm excited to just have new guys running it. Eberflus. I mean, I, you know, it'd be cool if they had a, you know, a trendy offensive mind, but like, I don't know. The, that'll never work for the Bears. They're right. the Bears. They're always oh, we'll see. In we'll very see. specific way. So we'll see what this guy from Green Bay was. It Luke Getzey is going to be their offensive Getz. coordinator. Obviously, work with Aaron Rodgers, uh, who's obviously a goofball but great quarterback. Uh, hopefully, you learn stuff from working with him and with with the Packers and Matt Lafleur, and hopefully, uh, they could work something out there. And yeah, I mean, with the field when it comes to the field trade, the field trade was an obvious trade to make. Like. Once fields drop like that, and it got to that whatever that's the, was the Giants spot. Is that who the yeah. players traded with the Giants? Even though you give I, it, you gave up the number six pick in the draft, but I agree it was an obvious. I mean, literally pick. everyone said like, "All right, you're like you're in the situation now. Go trade for Justin Fields." I mean, literally like everyone on Twitter was saying it when it was happening. So it's, yeah. it's not like Ryan Pace made some like completely crazy out of the box uh, move there. That was pretty obvious. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, always <laughs> Bears fans, we're always gonna get our hopes up that it's just been such a struggle for so long, but. Just kind of curious your thoughts on that. All right, let's wrap it up here. Um, as I mentioned before, next game's coming up. We got Orlando Magic Tuesday going to Toronto on Thursday, and then another back to back. We got so we got a Friday game uh, that's at Indiana, and then you got I believe it's Sunday Monday. You got Sixers Suns. That should be that'll be a really exciting test. Really exciting test. The Bulls have not beaten Joel Embiid in his career, and then the Suns again. They have like forty damn wins. They are looking unbeatable right now. They are absolutely incredible. So those will be some really fun tests. But take care of business against the Magic. See what they can do in Toronto and at Indiana, which is at Indiana. Those Sabonis, I think, just went in the health and safety protocols. And I think Turn- Miles Turner is still out. Hopefully they can get a couple wins here this week. So that'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. If you like what we're doing here at Cash, please. Go check out all the other great podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. We just brought in, I believe, Blue Wire today just got a road tripping the the Channing Fry podcast and Richard Jefferson. I believe that is now a part of the Blue Wire Network. So pretty cool stuff there um, for us here at Cash. As always, rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That really helps out. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those great places. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Please hit us up on there. We're always down to talk, chat, talk about the Bulls or whatever. And then, as always, shout out to Fuzz Gun for the new intro he made for us this year. So for us here, Cash Considerations, Ash Bulls Podcast, we will talk to you guys next time. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls.